She gave us such a powerful sermon. I should just preach and just call it good, right? When I go, uh, when I travel to different churches, Sister Hilton, I'm going to take you to do my personal introductions. It's such a convincing um, testimony. And praise the Lord that He's working in your health. All good things that comes from the Father of lights, okay? If you get healed, praise the Lord. I'm just an instrument. I'm just an arrow, okay? My function is just to point to the Savior. That's all I do. And I just want to clarify that I did not pay Sister Hilton to say those beautiful words, okay? It was all natural and very spontaneous. Praise the Lord. So, Today I'm going to talk to you about a subject that is very dear to my heart. It's a more spiritual medicine than physical medicine, but it goes together, okay? So we're going to go through the parable of the Good Samaritan. You can open your Bible in Luke chapter 10. And as you do that, I'm going to give you some time to do that. Luke chapter 10. This is only 14 slides, so we should just breeze through this presentation in about... I want to say 30 minutes, okay? So just hold on tight, put on your seatbelt, and we're going to fly, all right? So as you do that, just um, bow your head so we can pray, all right? Dear Heavenly Lord, we come here this morning to praise you because you are Lord of heaven and of earth. You control the universe, oh Jesus, and I just ask you in the name of Jesus Christ that you, Heavenly Father, give us not just the written word, give us the living word in the name of Jesus, oh God, and give us open hearts, and may we come out transformed. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Okay, so although we live in the most, in the most diverse, and one of the most culturally diverse countries in the world, we have a big challenge when it comes to trying to get along, okay? I don't know if you notice that, but we can't seem to get along, all right? And if you talk to some politicians, they will tell you that the real enemy is uh, the undocumented immigrants. If you read the newspaper, they'll tell you that the real enemy is the, the bioterrorist movement or the people in the Middle East. But I believe the real enemy is within our borders, and that is in our hearts, and that's called hatred, animosity, and hostility. That's the real enemy. And I want to address that one today. Last Saturday, I talked about emotions that get you sick. Now I want to talk about emotions that can heal you, love. And if we do not address the hatred and the animosity, which is actually contributing to all the shootings we see around our neighborhoods, all the violent crimes, then what's going to happen? We're going to end up like Matt Emmons. Who was Matt Emmons? He was the American rifle shooter. He was, uh, he was actually representing the American team of rifle shooting in the Olympics in Athens in Greece 2004. He was leading the event. This guy was a skillful rifle shooter, I tell you. All he needed was just an eight and he would win the gold medal. Put the scope right on the target, pull the trigger. Pfft. He hit bullseye right there. Pfft. 
I tell you, this guy was good. Right there, number 10. And the judge looked at his shot. was like, wow, that was a good shot. But there was a big mistake. It was the wrong target. He shot the good shot at the target of his competitor on the next lane. He ended up with a four. Lost all prospects of winning a medal. Went down. You see, if you do not put the right target on your scope, we're going to actually be missing it. There was a professor in theology uh, school and seminary, and he was very good at illustrating stories. And one time he wanted to illustrate the story about loving people. And he said, okay, students, I want you to take out a piece of paper and I want you to draw the face of an individual who has really harmed your life. And then those uh, future theolo- uh, theologians, uh, the pastors, they started drawing. He said, oh, okay, I'm going to draw the, the face of my stepfather who really abused me. And he started drawing the face of his stepfather. And then this lady said, I'm going to draw the face uh, of my ex-boyfriend who just cheated on me. So they were really creative, just drawing faces of people they really hated. And then after a while, they just grabbed those papers and they just put on that dartboard you see right there. And the professor gave him dart- Darts, so they can throw those darts at the faces they really despised. So they started throwing the darts, and they got really excited, and they would just go get the dart, get it out, and then throw it again. And and the professor said, "That's enough." He removed the dartboard from the the wall, and there was the face of Jesus, injured by those darts. And these words were written right there. Whatever you did for one of these, the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Oh, my friend, Jesus takes it personal. Okay? Can you please open up your Bible in the book of Luke, chapter 10? The reason why I want to address Hatred is not just because it's bad in the eyes of God, but it's also bad for your health. When you get angry, your platelets start degranulating one substance called ADP, and your platelets start forming blood clots in your coronary arteries, and that can trigger a heart attack. Oh, yes. Serious deal. And then First John and you don't have to go there, just listen to this. First John chapter 3, verse 15 says, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. You, don't, you probably and, and I don't have any felonies. We haven't killed anybody. We're not in jail. But in the eyes of God, hating somebody, that's enough to be a felony right there. So we have a man who said right there in... Um, Luke chapter 10, we go to Luke chapter 10, and, and this man tried to be really clever on Jesus. He was a lawyer. He had all his scripture down, and he said, okay, uh, teacher, I do have eternal life. And Jesus replied, what is written in the law? And this is what he replied, you shall love the law with, you shall, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I'm telling you, this guy was good. He had the answer right there at the tip of his tongue. And Jesus said, yes, go and do that, and you will live. 
See, this guy was a, a Jew, and the Jews, uh, they tend to have this um, artifact on their arms. It's called phylacteries. These are leathery boxes, and they have mainly four scriptures, mainly from the book of Deuteronomy. And that was actually one of the verses from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. That's why he had it just right here on top of his head. He knew his, his Bible. But Jesus said, okay, go and do that. Meaning, you have it over here. You have a lot of head religion, but you have no heart religion. Put it into practice. You know what James says? Faith without works is what? Dead. You see that? Jesus says, you know what? It's not enough to have the Bible verses on your pocket or on your arm. It's not enough to, to wear your suit and put on that perfume and just portray you're a nice-looking Christian. If you don't have the love of God in your heart and you don't put it into practice, faith and love have hands and they have feet. Blood bank waiting for us. Real love shows, gets expressed physically. What's the point of speaking in tongues, singing in the choir? having the gift of prophecy, having a faith to move mountains, but if I have no love, what good is that? Nothing. So the controversial topic was, who is my neighbor? Because back then, the Romans didn't get along with the Jews, and the Jews didn't get along with the Samaritans, so there was contention right there, cultural chaos. So he was trying to trap Jesus, and Jesus says, okay, I'm going to explain to you who is your neighbor, all right? Luke chapter 10, verse 30. There was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. All right? And then what happened? Then... A priest saw him and passed by on the other side. See, what type of figure that Jesus described? A priest, a descendant of Aaron. This man had religious rank. If there was one man who was supposed to fulfill his duties, it was this guy. He, he professed holiness, sanctity. I mean... He was exhibit A of a good Christian, yet he did not fulfill his duties. Let me tell you, it's more important to fulfill your duties than to know your duties. He was all talk and no walk. He saw the man in need, he kept on walking. There's something called, you probably haven't heard it, but it's all right. I'm going to show it to you. It's called aversive racism Aversive racism that is consciously promoting racial equality, but unconsciously displaying a negative attitude towards other groups. So I may say, oh, oh I, I cultivate equality among races, but when I'm confronted with, an, with a situation when I really have to interact with other races, I walk away. Avoidance. You consciously promote love, but when you're really confronted, you actually unconsciously do not promote love. 
You see, this man was actually rich in intellectual facts. He was poor in good works. And then Jesus kept going and he said, verse 32, a Levite who came to the place saw him. So this guy was the winner because he actually stopped by and he saw him. And they were actually, this guy was a poor Jew that got beat up by the robbers. So he was from the same cultural background. Passed by on the other side. Now, there's something called microaggression. Microaggression means verbal or nonverbal behavioral expressions to make other people feel bad. You know, I can hurt you without even saying a word. Just with the look, it's nonverbal. I'm not going to say hi to Sister, Sister Wilson today. I'm just going to ignore her. Microaggression. You see it in the hospitals, you see it in the schools, you see it in the neighborhood, you see it in the churches. Oh, how holy we are. I did not get any amens this morning. That's fine. That's fine. Microaggression. You know, in the field of medicine that studies the mind, that's called psychiatry, we have actually studied mechanisms of immaturity, mechanisms to preserve the ego. We all have an ego. Even little babies have egos. Take away a toy from him, he'll show you his real ego right there. Little Hulk. Two immature mechanisms of defense. One is called intellectualization. I'm going to be using intellectual processes to avoid expressing emotion. And this is displayed by these two people. They were thinking... They were thinking Numbers 19.11. What does Numbers 19.11 says? If you see a dead man on the road, don't touch him or you'll be unclean for seven days. They were, they were thinking Numbers 19.11, so intellectualization, but they forgot 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18, which says, If you see somebody in need, help them out because you have to be rich in good works. Rationalization is another immature mechanism of defense that we use, justifying wrong actions. I can't help them because I'm on my way to church this morning. Oh, my friend, seriously. I hope I'm not stepping on toes this morning, okay? The, the chief end of this sermon is to grow as Christians and be approved by God. Okay? But praise the Lord because there was a good Samaritan that had compassion and the word compassion in the Greek is an interesting word which is splanknizome. Splanknizome. This is a splanknic tissue, visceral organs. You know what that means? His gut, his heart, his pancreas, they moved with compassion when he saw this man in need. While the Levite and the, and the priest hardened their hearts with indifference, this, this guy softened his heart with empathy. And there is a difference between pity. Notice he doesn't say he had pity. There's a difference between pity and compassion. I don't know if 
You've gone to the city of San Francisco. This actually took place. It's a real story that took place in San Diego and San Francisco because those of those, both of those cities have this sort of transportation uh, mechanism. It's called a trolley. It takes you around the city. It has, it's operated by this metal bars. It's the railroad system that just takes you around the city. It's kind of like a, a way to stroll around the city. And one time this trolley in San Francisco derailed off the railroad and ended up tilting towards the sidewalk. A lot of people fell down and one of the people that was on the bars got trapped beneath metal bars and he started screaming, help me, help me, I'm stuck, help me, please. And everybody started saying, oh, hold on, hold on, we're going to call 911, just just be patient, okay? 911 people, come on, dial the number. And this businessman was walking with a with his suit and his briefcase, and he saw the man right there in pain. He took off his suit, he put on his briefcase, and he crawled underneath. He said, give me your hand. He grabbed his hand, he said, you know what, I'm going to be here, right here next to you until the paramedics come. Who showed pity? Who showed compassion? There's nothing Christian about pity, let me tell you. Compassion moves you to action. And this man showed compassion. And you know what's amazing about this Samaritan is that he he did not inquire how this poor Jew on the road ended up this way. Misery. He didn't say, Hey, were you part of a gang and your gang members left you or something? Hey, were you on cocaine or drugs and you ended up being homeless? Were you gambling all your money? Explain, please, before I try to help you. You see, a lot of times we're judgmental. We see a homeless guy on the street. Oh, he's probably asking for money because he's just on opioids or something. Who made me a judge? Real Christians are not detectors. Noah, when he opened the doors of the ark, he didn't do background checks. He didn't do urine toxicology exams to see if there was marijuana for 21 days. He didn't do criminal background checks. Everybody was welcome. You know what really amazes me about the Samaritan? He was not prepared to help because he was getting dark. He was not fully equipped. He, he, he didn't have a first aid kit with him. But he used his own clothes, his linen. He cut his own linen. He used it as a band-aid to stop the bleeding. He pours wine as an antiseptic, like an antibiotic. He pours some oil to mollify and lubricate the wound. Let me tell you something. This teaches us a profound principle. You don't have to be qualified to serve. You don't have to be a preacher to preach. You don't have to be a singer to sing. You don't have to be a doctor to heal. You don't have to be a nurse on call to take care of someone during the night. You don't have to be a paramedic to respond for emergencies. All you need is a heart of love. God is not looking for a perfect heart. He's looking for a willing heart. That is someone I can use. Can I preach this morning? Oh, I'll take that, amen. 
Praise the Lord. So I said this is only 14 slides. We're almost, we're almost in the conclusion part. I'm just going to close with two applications. Two applications. And the first application is that oftentimes we act like that priest and that Levi. We turn a deaf ear. We turn a blind eye in the midst of human suffering. Intellectualization, rationalization, too busy. God forgive us for that. May the people around Garland community say, Garland Faith Community Church is always ready to help. They can roll off their sleeves and they can provide, give food banks. They're a refuge for other people. Their doors are open. You see, we try to stop racism, and hopefully that virus is eradicated, hopefully. But there's something else. It's called discrimination. Discrimination is holding negative attitudes and beliefs and ideas towards members of another group. It can happen at three levels. If I have negative ideas and beliefs towards another group, this is individual discrimination if i join a group right here and if if, as a group we cultivate negative ideas and beliefs towards other people now this is institutional discrimination and if we as an organization as a church as a denomination of seven-day adventists we don't like certain type of people then this is structural discrimination May they never say the Adventist groups oppose so-and-so. We love everybody, don't we? It's actually a real story. This man, homeless man, was actually having this, this steering in his heart to seek the Lord. He looked for a church. He went into a church, but... That happened to be a high-class neighborhood. And when they saw this man homeless just walking into the church, they noticed there was a contrast in the way he was wearing. And the people noticed and said, Pastor, look at this man. I mean, this man just does not give any prestige to our church. He is disheveled. He is unkempt. His hair is all undone. He stings. Can you have a word with this guy? Because, I mean... Seriously, we're trying to increase the the social image of our temple, and this guy is just thrashing it. And the pastor said, okay, mister, who invited you to our church? Nobody. I was just looking for a church. Well, don't you know that when you come to the house of the Lord, you have to wear your best clothes? No, I didn't know that. Well, I want you to do something for me. You you want to ask Jesus next time, Jesus, what type of clothing should I wear to church, okay? And next time you come, you tell me what Jesus told you. Pastor left. Next Sunday, this was a Sunday church, okay? It's a real story. Next Sunday, this man, this man showed up in the same church wearing the same outfit, And the pastor just got off the pulpit. He said, okay, mister, didn't I tell you to ask Jesus what type of clothes you should wear? And he said, I did. Oh, you did? Yes, I did. What did Jesus tell you? And the homeless man said, Jesus told me he did not know because he's not a member of this church. (laughs) 
slap in your face. Discrimination, my friend. Discrimination happens among races too. Same races, okay? There's something called stigmatizing conditions. Stigmatizing conditions. So it's not about uh, people of color, people that are Caucasians. Or, no, this happens among the same races. People that have obesity, people that have physical disability, substance abuse. Oh, he is an addict. He smells like alcohol. You see, sexual orientation that is different from the norm. These people tend to be discriminated, even in churches. And in Christian circles, these people get discriminated as well. Single parents, widows, prodigal sons, and daughters. Can we improve as a church? Absolutely. The last application. A certain man, said Jesus, means you and me, mankind, failing in Adam. From a state of peace, this man was from Jerusalem. The epicenter of peace and worship. And he decided to go where? To Jericho, a cursed city by Joshua, whose walls collapsed. Meaning, he left the place of worship to go to a place characterized by lack of spirituality, devoid of biblical principles. And in his journey, his wild ride... The worst thief, Satan, met us. And all he knows how to do is steal, kill, and destroy. He robbed you of your honor, your peace. He stripped you of your integrity, your dignity. He left you on the road. He beat you. He left you half dead. Naked before the world, naked before God, exposed to the wrath of God. Your heart was pumping, but your soul was dead. Your body was moving, but your spirit was numb. And then came the priest, the moral law. Saw you, can't do nothing for you. Then came the Levite, the ceremonial law. Saw you in pain. You know what you deserve? The wages of your bad behavior is death. That's what you deserve. But praise the Lord for that good Samaritan which represents Jesus. When he journeyed through this world, my friend, he had splanknizomai. He was moved not with pity, but with compassion. He saw you as a single mom struggling. He saw you as a young man trying to, to withstand temptation. He saw you as a parent. You know, just alcohol, that, that bottle was just getting a grip of you. But the Lord gave you power to withstand the forces of evil. He poured oil, which represents the Holy Spirit. He poured his own blood. He poured wine, which represents his blood, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Just like alcohol makes 
the drunk man forget his sad memories, the wine, which is the blood of Jesus, should make the Christian forget his guilty past. And he traded places. He put you in a donkey and he went by foot. And where did Jesus put you, my friend? He put wounded people in, it says right there, in an inn, a hotel by the road, which represents the church. Praise the Lord for the church. And I don't think Jesus, the good Samaritan, uh, grabbed his cell phone and Googled the best hotel in the area. Because I'm sure there were several, several inns on the road. There, was, there were a few, I believe. But he chose the one that had open doors. Not prestige, open doors. The one that had availability, doors are open. Ability, ready to help. And credibility, we mean what we say, and we say what we mean as believers. Did you know there are some churches that they don't mean what they say, and they don't say what they mean? They look one way, and they row another way? This is serious now. Hurricane Harvey, Houston, Texas, August 2007. It was so intense. Streets were flooded. Houses were devastated. Big parts of the city were inundated. And the city officials told a big pastor that has a mega church, can you offer your church as a shelter? He said, no, sir, I cannot do that. Media started criticizing him. You who preach about love, where's your Jesus? You who write books about service, Where's your religion? We have to be a church that we mean what we say and we say what we mean. Houston, Texas. The church denied serving as a shelter. And the last one I have here is Jesus paid two denarii for the caring of the poor Jew. Because Jesus told the man, he said, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you if I come back. When I come back. You see, there is a day when Jesus is coming back, my friend. Two denarii was the Roman currency. Two silver coins is what you needed to purchase the freedom of an Israelite slave. You have been freed in the name of Jesus. You know why people that have substance use disorder, we call it addicts, can stop their bad behaviors? They think they have to have it. You don't have to have it. You choose to have it. You've been freed. There's power in the name of Jesus. Don't ask for victory. You were given victory in the cross. You have to fight from victory. When I come back, says Jesus, I, the Savior of the world, will repay you. Every expenditure, every energy, every inch, every fiber, every nerve that you spend for Jesus... He himself will repay you abundantly when he comes back. It's worthy investment in the kingdom of God. So I want to ask this morning, 
picture yourself as that, as that wounded man on the road. I know you look pretty with your tie, you look all washed and everything, but the reality is, spiritually speaking, we're that poor Jew on the road, shivering, trembling, about to die. That's you and me. Aren't you grateful for the good Samaritan? Do you want to recommit your vows to that good Samaritan this morning? Do you want to say, Lord, forgive me from departing from the epicenter of peace, Jerusalem? You know what repentance means? In the Hebrew, U-turn. You can make a U-turn this morning and never run to Jericho. We're going to have a final song. I invite the singers to join us. I don't know about tomorrow I just live from day to day I don't borrow from its sunshine For its skies may turn to gray I don't worry or the future For I know what Jesus said And today I'll walk beside Him For He knows what is ahead Amen Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand But I know who holds tomorrow And I know who holds my hand Every step is getting brighter the gold that I clap every board and getting lighter every cloud is silver line the sun is always shining there no the rainbow where the mountains touch the sky many things 
news about tomorrow. I don't see to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my head. I don't know about tomorrow. It may bring. Poverty, but the one who feeds the sparrow is the one who stands by me and the path that is my portion may be through the flame or fall, but his prayer. Goes before me, and I cover with His blood. Amen. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. But I know. Tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my Praise the Lord. Thank you, Angel. How many of you want to answer God's call this morning that the Lord gave us and rededicate your lives to God? Can you stand with me, please? And I want to do two special prayers. One for us that are we are dedicating our life to God again, but also I want to pray over Eloy. So can you come up here, please? We're going to pray for Eloy. He has many uh, uh, commitments in the following weeks he'll be traveling to italy to do two different churches and other places he'll be starting his specialty in cardiology pretty soon so we just want god's blessing to be with you and all your plans and all your endeavors as you minister to others let's pray we thank you father god what a beautiful opportunity to thank you for your blessings this week thank you for bringing dr eloy with us for allowing us to learn so much but also to put in practice these principles of health And for all the positive changes we've seen already in our lives. Thank you for the message this morning, Lord, where you have invited us to love like you love. To be the extension of that great good Samaritan, which is Jesus. And and also love others. And show this world that you are real. And that you can work through us so that they can see you. We ask you, Lord, to bless his plans, his journeys, his ministry. And we ask you to accompany him in every place that he goes, that he can keep shining for you. And Lord, this morning you have touched our hearts to respond to a call that you invited us to uh, love like Jesus loves. And as we rededicate our lives to you, Lord, as we accept your grace and your love in our lives, we want you, Lord, to put us 
in the situation and the place and in the opportunities where we can let the people know that we love them and that you love them and that you are coming soon to take us home. We don't know about tomorrow, but help us to live day by day with our hands in yours. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.